I might be second place in most beautiful pastor to your wife in the city, but I'll take it. I've never had that honor. I'll just receive it by faith. Also, good to see you. Thank you so much. Uh, Such an honor to be here. I miss the sun, though. (laughs) I'm from Michigan, and so this is our normal weather. And when I moved out here back in 2001, uh, I got so acclimated so quickly that if it was 65 and overcast, I'd get depressed and be really cold. (laughs) Even though when I was young, if it was like 40 in in, uh, February, we'd go out in our shorts and play basketball. Anyway, but uh, such an honor to be here. Love this community, this family. It just uh, feels like, just feels like home in one sense. And uh, I have so much joy in my heart, uh, especially for all the kids. I love the children. And you take Be Fruitful and Multiply very seriously. So (laughs) thank you for that. That's so good. Uh, My wife and I, we're going to celebrate our 17th anniversary next month. So so thankful for my wife. Bless y'all. Thank you. Bless you. Thankful that she's here with me today. And we have three kids, and so I always joke, uh, Anna's here, our youngest is here with us. Uh, I always joke with people that we barely obeyed the commandment to be fruitful and multiply, because we had two for the longest time, and then that's just replacing ourselves, but now we're 1.5, so we multiply, we barely made it, so to fulfill our righteousness. So for those of you who have two, no, we're, we're, we're drafting off of you, just living vicariously through you, because uh, you and I together, we have 10, so that's, that's great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Sharaba. Yeah, what a joy. I, I just feel uh, the Father's pride over this, this community, this family. And he loves you so much. He's so proud of each and every one of you. And, uh, you know, the heart of who he is is a, is a dad. He's the best dad in the whole world. And he taught me about being a father. And when I was in, in Reading, we were living up there for a couple of years, a few years, uh, back in 2008, uh, my son Isaac was about two and a half at the time, maybe three, and there was no one I loved more than my son. And he goes, do you know I love you more than you love your son, Isaac? And I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. And so that was a season where he was trying to teach me the love of the Father. And every time I loved my son, became a reminder, just a glimpse of how much more he loved me. And that really healed me of a lot of things, that he is the best dad in the whole world. And after our time there, he sent us back down to L.A., and <clears throat> he had us start a school, a ministry, actually first from here at Pi Hop, and so just want to honor this place as well. So thankful for Pi Hop. It was actually just in that building over there. They didn't even own this part yet. And we started a school of ministry 
that was 10 years ago. We just graduated our 10th class this week. Yes, bless you, bless you. Uh, and um, at graduation, and I was just r reminded, uh, you were our very first applicant to the first SSM here 10 years ago. So what an amazing testimony. So, so thankful for Cheryl and everyone here at PyHop. We honor and bless this place. But something strange happened when we started the school, and we're also at HROC, we were youth ministers, and, and uh, people started calling us Mama and Papa, my wife and I. And I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not your Papa. <laughs> I have trouble enough with my own kids, I don't, I don't need more. And many of them were actually older than us. And we're like, where is this coming from? And the Lord rebuked me. He goes, do not stop what they're doing because this is for me. And I was like, okay, well, then you're going to have to teach me how to be a, a papa because, you know, I, I don't know how to do this. And he goes, the best way to learn how to be a good spiritual father is to learn how to be a good spiritual son. And so he... Uh, placed us at HROC, and Che and Sue became our spiritual parents. And for, uh, we were there for seven years, I and mean, they're still our spiritual parents, but during that specific time, he taught me what it looks like to be a spiritual son and to honor. And, and so this whole new concept came, emerged. And I grew up in a Presbyterian church where we call the pastor reverend, and he wore a robe, and you kind of, He's kind of up here, and you're kind of down here, and you don't really have much relationship. And then I went to Atrock, and everyone's a pastor there. Well, actually, no, first I went to Bethel, and we had students calling the leaders by their first name. Like, hey, Bill, hey, Chris. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, this is Pastor Bill and, you know, Prophet Chris. And, but they were just so nonchalant, and it took me about, I, I still couldn't get to that point of first name. But, you know, I was actually uh, at least not offended by it uh, by, by th after three years. I wouldn't cringe if people said that because I was like, well, they're just more free. Maybe I have a religious spirit or something. And then when he sent me to, to HROC, everyone calls each other pastor on staff. Like the spouses will call each other pastor. Like they'll address each other as pastor. I was like, this is weird. Like I'm not going to address my wife as pastor. And, uh, you know, I don't want her to call me pastor. And uh, <clears throat> so I had to relearn this, this culture. But, uh, <clears throat> and so it was all about this idea of spiritual family that the Lord told me, Che is your father now. And so I started, rather than calling him Pastor Che, I would call him Papa Che, <laughs> which was kind of awkward and weird in the beginning. But uh, he just had me do it. And people started calling me Papa, and, and so he goes, you are learning about spiritual family. He goes, when you were younger, you had a pastor or a reverend, and you were the congregation member. And then in this season, you're learning about spiritual family, where they're not just pastors, they're your fathers and mothers, and you're learning how to relate to them. He goes, I want to teach you, oh, and he, he said this, he goes, you observe that your spiritual family treat their biological children different than their spiritual children, which is true, which is totally understandable, right? I mean, you, you can't, 
you can't tuck in everyone in your church at, you know, at night, right? Maybe, yes. And so <clears throat> he goes, you noticed a difference between spiritual children or family and biological children or family. And he goes, I want to teach you that in the kingdom, there's no difference. There's just family. Why? Because we're connected in the spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. And we're also connected by blood. The same blood. Jesus' blood. So in genetics, as well as in spirit, we are family. And he goes, can you learn how to see people not as spiritual family, but just as family. And that really blew me away because I had spent like five, seven years learning, okay, rather than title and position and rank and authority to try and relate to them as spiritual family, but now he's telling me, no, just relate to them as family. What binds you together is not an organization. It's not a church. It's not a ministry. What binds you together is me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what, what does this mean? Like, how does this manifest? He goes, I want you, <clears throat> so our mentality, my wife and I's mentality, because a lot of people were asking us, hey, can you be our spiritual parents? And our default position was, yes, we'll always say yes to anyone who asks, but then we'll just talk to them about what that means. <clears throat> but for the first time last year, he said, I want you to ask somebody else to be their spiritual father or to be their father. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to be asked, hey, will you be my spiritual father? It's another thing to tell someone, hey, uh, I'm supposed to be your dad. <laughs> I'm like, I I'm not going to do that, God. And he goes, no, I want you to do that. I was like, and so I was arguing with him. You ever argue with God and when he tells you to do something, you're like, no. Not you. I, maybe some people that you know. But uh, he's gracious. You know, uh, you know how that's normal? Because everyone who's ever been a kid has always done that, right? With their own parents. And then especially as those who, have, who are parents and have children now, you recognize it's just a way of life. Um, and so I, I agreed with him, and finally I was like, oh, fine, I'll do it. And so how do you have that conversation? And he highlighted this one person, and so I, I talked with them. And uh, this was a woman who's not too far away from my age. We're, we're not, I'm a little bit older than her. But she had lost her biological father. And uh, I was just saying, you know, I was telling her this whole story, and I said, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you uh, to be my daughter. And, and not just a spiritual daughter, but just you're just part of our family now. And... <clears throat> Really awkward conversation, right? And so she responds by saying, 
This is actually a grace of God because for many years, because I've known her for eight years, nine years, she's been wanting to ask me to be her spiritual father, but she never had the courage to do it. And she goes, this is God's grace to me that he would force you to ask. <laughs> and so uh, she, she wound up becoming our, our, our daughter, not just spiritual. So I don't call her spiritual daughter. I just call her daughter now. And she's just part of our family. She comes over uh, for Christmas. Last Christmas, my wife made stockings uh, for all of our kids with their names on it. Actually, for all of our family. And... Uh, we added one more this past year. And now her stocking is over our fireplace for Christmas. And she says, I never had a stocking in my life before. Isn't that crazy? And so uh, our relationship went to a whole nother level where I had known her as a friend or as a pastor or, you know, we did SSM together and all these things. But now we are learning how to be family. <laughs> and uh, she started having encounters with Father God that had previously been difficult to have. And the Lord was trying to teach me, this is what it means to be church. that I'm not interested in <clears throat> organizations with 501c3s and big accounts and big ministries. I came to die so that we could learn how to be family. And <clears throat> so a lot of people think 2020 oh, was one of the worst years we've ever had. We want to flush it down the toilet and yay for 2021 and all these things. But I want to personally tell you that it was one of the best years of my life. <laughs> Why? Because my family grew. And not only did he ask, tell me to ask that person, he, asked, he told me to ask three more. Actually, I had four more now. <laughs> and uh, one of them is here with me today, this morning, She's uh, from Alabama. She just graduated her first year at SSM. Her name is Colby. And uh, I'm so thankful. She just moved here yesterday from really far in Valencia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And she's got a lot of stuff because we helped her move. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. She... Uh, She's staying here for a few months, subletting, and so if anyone knows uh, any single, I mean, uh, any, any open apartments <laughs> after the summer, uh, she'd be a great roommate or wife. <laughs> but I, I want to, I invited her to come with me and just... Uh, she, she has a, a word or something she, she wants to say. Could you, could you just bless my daughter as she comes up, my wonderful, beautiful daughter? That was such a dad move. I was, I was like, oh, God. Um, yeah, so the Lord really has been stretching me and teaching me a lot of things through SSM this past year. 
um, and through my relationship with Papa Dave because he's been teaching me how to be loved by a father, um, which is something that I have been missing in my life. So I was asking him what to share this morning and I had like a really personal encounter and he was like, that's the one I want you to share. I was like, I don't think that's for everybody. <laughs> and so I'm just being obedient here. Um, but I've been having this word recently, maybe in the past like month, um, about this next season for me being about rest. And I was like, okay, we know that word, that's familiar, you know. And I'm not a person who rests very well. I have to be doing something always, and it's usually something that doesn't make sense, like playing Animal Crossing. So um, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, but he was really trying to teach me how to rest in his love. Um, so I had like a series of really hard days at work, really long nights, and every time I was going to bed for maybe the past two or three weeks, it's been like, just like unpeaceful, the opposite of peaceful, sleep. And I just was restless pretty much. Um, so I had this encounter. I laid in bed and I was like, God, where are you? I need you right now. And I saw him at the foot of my bed and he was tucking me in, in my blanket. I was like, all right, cool. This is nice. Um, so I just laid there and I was feeling just stressed and just overloaded and overwhelmed. And I was like, I can't sleep like this. And he was like, don't worry, I'll tuck you in. So I go into this encounter where he's tucking me in and I'm feeling like he's wrapping me up, like just completely surrounding me. And I was like, okay, this is good. This, is, this feels like a weighted blanket almost. <laughs> and he's like, this is the weight of my love. And I was like, okay, this is good. Um, and so I, I went to sleep in the encounter, and he was there at the foot of my bed the whole time. And he was just saying words over me and kept tucking me in. And I looked down, and I realized that I was in a cocoon. And I was like, oh, okay, this is different. Um, and as I awoke, the sun kind of rose in my encounter, and I looked down, and I'm completely engulfed in a cocoon. And so he started to unravel me, and I was a butterfly. And I was like, look, I'm beautiful. And he was like, you've been beautiful all along. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Lord just wanted me to release um, this testimony and this experience of being loved by a father. Um, so it's kind of perfect that all of this has been happening today <laughs> because it's kind of where we're at. Um, so I'm just going to release this over the congregation. Um, yeah, Father, we love you. And we just say yes to being your child. Yeah, God. Yeah, I ask that you um, just renew our love for you, Father, and that as we spend time with you, that is just like the intimacy with the Father. God, that we can be close to you, that we can call you Papa, that we can do what Jesus did and break all of the religious rules and call you Abba and really shake up how we, we see you, God. Just shift our perspective into that of being loved by Father, being chosen, being seen, um, being called beautiful, being made perfect through your words, just like that song was saying earlier, that your words define who we are. Yeah, that even as we sit in, in our stress and our overwhelm, you see our feelings, God, and you just renew them and you turn them into something else and you transform them with your love into something beautiful. Yeah, Father, so we just surrender. We lay down all of the things that we have that seem like you don't care about, that you don't want to talk about, God, that we just ask you to take those things at your feet and wrap them up and make them beautiful, God. Yeah, I just release strength over this house. Yeah, I release your peace here. Yeah, that we can just rest in your love. We don't have to perform. We don't have to strive. Yeah. 
We can just rest in your love and rest in who you are. No work required, and we come out being beautiful. Yeah. Father, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Hearing that song in my head, uh, isn't she lovely? All right. What time do you usually go to? Midnight. Okay. Uh, I come bearing gifts. Wrote this many years ago, uh, beginning in the prophetic. But I felt like I was supposed to bring this because the prophetic has gotten kind of beat up in this past season. (laughs) For those of you who follow it or are immersed in it, there have been a lot of prophetic words about this and that, and there have kind of been a dearth of words of, hey, uh, no no one prophesied COVID? (laughs) And so... uh, Maybe some of you have heard of the, uh, so many people coming out and say, oh, this is who's going to be president, and this is what's going to happen, and all these things, and then, hey, uh, they, they were wrong. You know, it didn't, it, it didn't seem to come to pass, right? And uh, they've gotten a lot of criticism. A lot of people have left the prophetic or stopped believing in the prophetic. Uh, one international prophet has even stopped his own ministry after prophesying that this person was going to be in office. And he, he didn't stop his ministry because he got the word wrong, in a sense. He stopped the ministry because he came out and apologized, and all these Christians started attacking him. is that amazing? And so he's like, whoa, we've got to take a step back here and rethink about what we're doing. And First uh, Corinthians 14 Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, okay? So out of all the gifts, healing, faith, miracles, he's highlighting prophecy above all else. Isn't that fascinating? Why, why is that the case? I believe it's because in order to operate out of prophecy, you need to be able to talk with God. <laughs> and that's what he desires above all else is this connections, intimacy, Okay. And there are two different types of prophecy. One is the foretelling. That's the more common one uh, where you kind of know what happens about the future and you tell people about it, right? And the world loves this type of prophecy. And maybe they don't, even in the non-Christian sense, we, we love fortune-telling. We love <clears throat> astrology. We, we, we love the zodiac. We love, you know... The psychic network, you know, and uh, people love finding out the future. Tell me about my future. You know, who am I going to marry? How many kids am I going to have? You know, what am I going to be doing? And there's even a psychic place down here on Lake. Every time we pass by, we always bless, along with the uh, uh, Planned Parenthood place, we always bless them because why? It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. Anyway, but... Uh, there's a second aspect of 
prophecy beyond foretelling, and it is forthtelling. Foretelling is predicting or saying what's going to happen. Forthtelling is causing it to happen. And there was a prophet in the Old Testament that experienced this, Ezekiel, where God sent him to this valley of dry bones, and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? He goes, You know, Lord. And he says, Well, prophesy to the bones. And so he prophesied, and what happens? The bones start coming together with sinew and muscle and skin, and all of a sudden there's a live, full, strong army in front of him. So what happened? He demonstrated the true nature of prophecy by foretelling. He caused it to happen. He didn't see, oh, I see a great army, and I'm going to uh, foretell that's going to happen. You know, through his own words, he caused it to happen. And that is the true heart of prophecy. Why? Because the very first prophetic word in the Bible is, let there be. Let there be light. And there was light. And so this is the true heart of the prophetic that God wants the church to step into. And so many people are, especially in cultures, in the river culture, the charismatic culture, we're waiting on, we love prophetic words, and we're waiting on prophetic words to come to pass. How many of you have a prophetic word that you're still waiting on for God to fulfill? All right. If you haven't raised your hand, bless you to receive a prophetic word today. Actually, I'll just give you one. This is going to be the best and most fruitful year of your life yet. <laughs> That's a good word right there. It's from the Bible. It's in 3 John 2. That in all things you may prosper and be in good health. In all things. Everything you put your hands to. And that this will be the healthiest year of your life. <laughs> For you and your family. Uh, but how do you know that sometimes we feel like we're waiting on God and people can go through their whole life without ever experiencing the fruit of that, the manifestation of that prophetic word? Even the Bible even talks about that in Hebrews 11. All these people, the great hall of faith, they couldn't see with their own eyes what they longed to see, right? That's because the true heart of prophecy is not foretelling and waiting for it to happen. The true heart of prophecy is you partner with God and cause it to happen. So, God is looking out on his church, and the church is like, God, praying, when will this happen? We've received all these words and promises. When does it happen? And he's up there saying, when is it going to happen? When are you going to declare what I'm declaring? This is what Jesus did, right? He only said what he heard the Father say. I saw this quote recently, and I think it was attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but I, I'm not, I didn't research it. But it says, the best way to predict your future is to create it. That's a good word right there. Okay. So life and death are in the power of the tongue. So if there's something that you're waiting for, you're longing for, God's waiting on you. Step into the heart of the prophetic and <clears throat> through your declaration on faith, cause it to happen. Jesus said, my words to you are spirit and life. And if you would believe it, your words are spirit and life. 
Your words can create worlds, okay? So may we stop being passive and waiting on all these things to happen and rise up and take our authority and what? Speak to the winds and the waves. Speak to the mountains. Speak to the dry things. Speak to the things that aren't and cause them to be as though they are. <laughs> all right. All right. The other one, uh, second book, was The Elementary Teachings of Christ. And this was a very humbling book because I had no idea what they were. <laughs> and uh, Jesus taught me these uh, things. It's from Hebrews. Uh, he says, though by this time you all ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths all over again. You need milk and not solid food. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty harsh. It's like, let's say you're an adult and someone, like a professor's like looking at your work and saying, you need to go back to elementary school. <laughs> like, ouch. You know, and, uh, and so without the foundation, we'll never mature. In fact, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, uh, let us leave these elementary teachings to, so that we can go on to maturity. Okay. How many know that you can go to church your entire life and never really mature spiritually? Anyway, uh, so I'm going to give these to the Martinsons, and they could pass it out to whoever. Uh, you know, this year marks the 504th anniversary of the Reformation, the Reformation. And this was back in 1517, right? Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses and uh, outlining the abuses of the Catholic Church. And there are a lot of abuses, right? Uh, they were selling indulgences, you know, pretty much, you know, give us money and we'll give you a slip of paper that says, ah, you know, your sins are forgiven or you less time in purgatory and all these things. Even for people who have passed away, for your relatives and loved ones. And so that's not in the Bible, right? And so uh, he was outlining all these abuses, and the Catholic Church rejected him. They, they cast him out. He got excommunicated, and so he had to start his own group. He didn't want to, but he had no other choice. He loved the Catholic Church. He was a, he was a monk. And one of the things he also said was, it's not right for monks to be celibate. Isn't that interesting? And so after he got excommunicated, one of the first things he did was marry a nun. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But still to this day, the Catholic Church, if in order to be a priest, you have to be what? Single. That's not in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? But yet the church, in one sense we're all Catholic, that's our mother church, uh, they still preach this, even though it's not in the Bible. So it, isn't that amazing how we can study the Bible, learn, and be a part of an organization or movement that actually teaches things that aren't in here and believe that they are and think that it's holy? But what is it, what, what's the fruit of that is it's causing people who have the call to ministry to have to sacrifice something they're not able to sacrifice, which is celibacy, right? 
marriage, which is kind of a reason why there's so much sexual scandal within the Catholic Church. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know why I went there. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> I, oh, I know why. The reason is because the Lord told me that we are now in a second reformation. And it's greater than the first one. See, the first reformation, Luther left the Catholic Church, started his own, and they became known as Lutherans. And then Wesley rose up, and Calvin, and those who followed Calvin became God's anointed Presbyterians. And so we have thousands of denominations. Isn't that amazing? Thousands of different denominations, whereas there's just pretty much just one Catholic church, thousands of denominations, okay? And uh, <clears throat> the reforms that happened during Luther's time were necessary. They were important. But how many you know that in addition to these reforms, the enemy planted evil seeds that sprouted up in the midst of the Reformation? And what is that? It's the spirit of denominationalism. Okay. God loves all the denominations. He loves the Baptists, the Methodists, Pentecostals, all these things, but he hates the spirit of denominationalism. What does this spirit lead people to believe? It says, <clears throat> we will gather around core beliefs, but when we start differing in what we believe, either you have to change or you have to leave. Or if you're not going to leave, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to start my own group or join a group that we believe the same thing, right? And so that's not just Baptist. You could take, with, even within the Baptist denomination, how many different types of Baptists are there? There's so many different types. And maybe some of you have even come out of an organization that split over whatever it is, okay? And so God hates that because what does he want? He wants unity above all else, union, okay? So he hates the spirit of denominationalism, and what he's doing in replace of that is raising up mothers and fathers. You know, not too long ago, maybe a generation or two ago here in America, highly religious country, and they would be known by, hey, which church do you go to? Or do you go to the First Baptist or the Second Presbyterian or the Third Methodist or whatever? And you, you wouldn't intermingle, but you would just be known, oh, you know, they're the holy rollers or, you know, they, they do the, the, <clears throat> the suppers on the lawn or whatever. You, you are known by your denomination. But in this generation, most Christians or young people don't even know the difference between the Methodists and the Baptists and things like that. What they're being drawn to is relationship through mothers and fathers. And this is the heart of the Father. He's, it's Malachi. In the last days, he's pouring out his spirit, and the, he's turning the hearts of the children to the mothers and fathers and the mothers and fathers to the children. Okay? So this is, Frontier is one of these movements that is around mother and father. And people are drawn not because of the camel. They're drawn because of, you know, the, they're not drawn because of the doctrine. They're drawn because of the family. Okay? And so this is of the Lord. And what is, 
what happens in a family. In the spirit of denominationalism, it says, hey, when we disagree, I get offended and we have to separate. But within a family, what happens when disagreement arises? You work out the differences together as a family. And you say, even though I disagree with you, I'm still committed to you, I love you, and will stay in relationship with you because we're family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how many churches teach that? They, how many churches teach conflict resolution versus... This is what we believe. You must believe the same. That's why there's so much hurt in the church, so much separation, so much division. All right? And so I love this. It's been said that complaining is just misplaced intercession. How easy it is to find fault with somebody or something or a ministry or a church. It's very easy to do that. Okay. You know, because it's been said, if you find the perfect church, don't go there because as soon as you do, it will not be perfect anymore. <clears throat> and so, learn how to honor by covering one another. And the Lord taught me this with Noah and his sons. Remember, Noah got drunk, and he was naked in the tent, and, you know, uh, one of his sons come in there, and like, ooh, and he, they, he goes and tells his brothers. But what do his brothers do? They walk in backwards with a sheet and cover the father's nakedness. Okay. What is the human desire, the inc inclination is? When we see something, we want to expose it. When it's like, this is wrong. How could you do this? You're one in authority. You have responsibility, and this is how you act. No, no, no. The true, he says, the true sons and daughters, they see it. They know it's not right, but they cover it. They give grace over it, and they honor hope. And um, just want to bless you to learn how to honor. It's Exodus 20, 12 to honor your mother and father because it releases a blessing from the Lord. It's the first command with a blessing. That's what the Bible says. And it's a blessing of life. And so I want to encourage you to learn how to honor your mothers and fathers, not just your biological parents. If, if you still have biological parents living, I want to encourage you, ask the Lord, how can I honor them better now in my life? So significant, okay? Even if they've passed on, you can still honor them. Because God is a God of the living and not the dead. They're still alive. Whew. My mother passed away a few years ago from cancer. I honor her every day when I'm praying. I bless her. And I actually feel her blessing for me and my family every day right? Because she's alive. She's actually the most alive she's ever been. <laughs> All right. And so learn how to honor. But I say this because I want you also to learn how to honor the mother and father the Lord has placed in your midst, the Martinsons, okay? 
as well as others. The Sowers, the Hubiaks, and you know, there are great mothers and fathers here. And learn how to honor them. <laughs> and so, uh, I, we just, my wife and I just want to honor them here as well. Uh, we just felt like we wanted to just bless you and your family. Uh, we got you a uh, membership for your family to the Huntington. So, we love you. We honor you. Wow. Congratulations, 15 years. That's amazing, yes. So find creative and wonderful ways to honor your mother and father, all right? Uh, shut up. What time did you say we finish? <laughs> All right, well, <clears throat> that was a good message. <laughs> All right. Uh, the message that I was thinking in my mind was, uh, he told me this last year, he says, things are not as they seem. Things are not as they seem. And he showed me all these areas where things are not as they seem. In politics, oh. How many of you voted for Joe Biden? No, I'm just kidding. With, <clears throat> with the pandemic, things are not as they seem. Like I see some people wearing masks and some of you not. Which one is more holy? <laughs> Who's gotten the vaccine? No, no, you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> things are not as they seem with the economy, with Things are not as they seem with Israel. What's going on in Israel? Things, things are not as they seem in our education system. Things are not as they seem with our children, with sexuality, with marriage. All these things, he was telling me, things are not as they seem. And then he, he puts this mirror in front of me and I could see myself, and he goes, things are not as they seem. <laughs> and I'll just leave that with you here today, is that when you look at yourself in the mirror, hear the Father say, things are not as they seem. There's more than meets the eye. And the world may tell you one thing, even your own mind may think one thing, but there's only one truth, his truth. And he wants you to be renewed, metamorphosized, transformed by the renewing of your mind.
to think like he thinks. So that when you look at life, not only do you see yourself in the proper perspective, but you see everything around you as they truly are. And when you know the truth, you will be free. <laughs> free from fear, free from sickness, free from lack, free from depression. <laughs> well, that's a good word right there. Okay. Um, and I kept getting this word even from last night. Is there someone here that has an injury with their collarbone? Over there? Okay. Uh, God really highlighted that to me. And uh, so we just bless you. Whatever the issue is right now, we just pray healing on that. But I, I also want to just release for anyone in here that is not in right standing in your body with the Lord, because the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. I just bless you to be right with the Lord in your body. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he does not want his body, his temple, or even what? His bride to be off in any way. He wants you to be whole more than even you do. Because <laughs> some people have just acknowledged it and accepted it. Oh, I'm just this way. This No medicine is going to help me. All these things. I've tried all these things. And this is my lot. Or maybe God's trying to teach me something. No, no, no. God's the best dad in the whole world. He wants you. He died so that by his stripes you would be healed. Okay? So I just want to release that upon you. Bless you to be in right standing physically as well as in your mind, you think and see things clearly, as well as in your spirit, your spirit, your one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, okay? So whatever area that is not right with the Lord right now, I just release a blessing for it to be aligned perfectly once again, okay? All right. Okay, well, I just, again, it's such an honor to be with here with all of you. I'm so thankful. It always brings me such joy to see such beautiful faces. And uh, I was reminded of this. The Lord told me a few years ago, you can tell the, the quality of the leaders by the, the quality of the people they attract. And you are kings and queens. You're royalty. <laughs> which speaks to you, but it also speaks to him. And so, bless you to live like royalty. Kings and queens, they think a different way. They act a different way. Nothing controls them. They control everything. And they don't lord it over them, but what they, they serve. And so, bless you as kings and priests and uh, if you would indulge me, I'll just, I'm just going to pray a blessing for you, over you, and over all of us, actually. Father, I just thank you for being the best dad in the whole world. Thank you for your goodness and your love. Yeah. And you came to give us life and life to the full. 
And you said, blessed are our eyes, for they see, for our ears, for they hear. And you've given us a new heart to understand. And so may we step into the fullness of our inheritance to see things as they truly are. And to begin living from that place of perfect truth so that we can experience kingdom freedom and prosperity. And so I do declare that this is going to be the best and most prosperous, most fruitful season of your lives yet, that in all things, even in your health, you will prosper. Yeah. Yeah. And I just declare, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you.